Hey there, my name is Janny and I'm the host of What's On Your Mind. I interview guests about their weekly musings and Wikipedia rabbit holes, like toxic beauty standards, or the impact of redlining, or bees. Whatever it is, we'll process it together. We'll all learn a little something and take another step in creating our own stories, all while adding another laugh line to your face. Welcome to 901 On The Mind, filmed live and in person at the Arcade Restaurant in downtown Memphis, Memphis's oldest cafe founded in 1919. Thank you, Kelsey, Jeff, and your amazing restaurant for supporting this show. The purpose of this show is to provide a window into the variety of unique stories and voices that make up Memphis. We are Memphis, and we are proud of our city and its people, its spirit, and the grit and grind of who we are. The views and opinions expressed on 901 On The Mind are those of the podcast guests and do not necessarily reflect the official values, perspectives, or positions of myself, Jannie Rad, or the Arcade Restaurant. Joe Sills is a Memphis-based freelance journalist for Nat Geo, Forbes, Discovery Networks, and Lonely Planet. He's also a podcast host. He covers travel, adventure, and exploration around the world. In this episode, we're going to talk about his journey, and it is not an easy one. It's amazing that his journey has ultimately led him back to Memphis, and I won't spoil it anymore. You'll just have to listen. Hey, Joe, what's on your mind? Hey, how's it going? Um, Gee, there's a lot on my mind these days, uh, especially in Memphis as the city is kind of evolving and growing around us. I've been here for seven years in this stint. Oh, wow. In a previous stint, I basically spent half of my life here and half of it outside of the city. Okay. Um, minus a trip to Miami, which didn't really work out too great for work purposes. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think today I wanted to talk to people about what I do and tell people how they can do it. I love that because I, the, the tag I have for you is that you're a travel photographer. That is accurate, although there's a little more to it than I that. love it. Okay, fill in all the blanks for me. Okay, so I am a writer and photojournalist. Uh, I'm freelance, so I work for Forbes, National Geographic, Discovery Channel, um, a lot of places, Lonely Planet, a lot of places that you might see when you're scrolling through your social media feed and you get a list of, like, the 10 best things to do in Indianapolis yeah. or Paris or France or whatever. Um I write those kind of stories, but I also write really in-depth features and profiles on specific people that are like in those destinations. Mm. So my job today, if you were to, to look me up, you can find me on Instagram at Joe Sills, like a window. Um, looks very glamorous. Uh, I'm always in an exotic location. I'm in the wild. I'm camping or I'm in a luxury hotel or pretty much on the road half of the year. That's amazing. Do you get people often that say you're living their dream life? Because you're living my dream life. Yeah, yeah it, it, <laughs> a lot, a lot of times. And, and there's trade-offs with that. Um, as a journalist, uh, we do have a public profile, um, but most journalists will tell you that we don't actually get paid very much. Okay. So unless you're really, really hustling, um, you kind of live on that ragged edge of, of poverty and like notoriety. Sure. It's just really weird. Um, but luckily for me, I've, I've been hustling for a long time now. And so I'm able to like pretty comfortably make it and, and leverage the experience that I've had to, to do okay. Yeah. Well, I love that. I mean, let, uh, I'm interested to just hear your journey. So tell me from the start, like whatever you feel like is the start of your story. Sure. Okay. So this is a Memphis based journey. Uh, as far as I know, 
I'm the only Memphis-based travel writer that does international content. That's um, cool. Th- thank you. But there's a lot in Nashville. There's a lot elsewhere. But yeah. Memphis uh, specifically is my home base, and that's for a reason. When you walk through this city, it is unique. You feel the history that radiates from the streets. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, when I was first getting started, I remember there were nights where... Uh, I would file a story from Ernestine and Hazel's inside of this like decrepit sort of falling over bar before they renovated it a little bit and at least made it structurally sound. (laughs) And and I would go and and have a beer and just, you know, hammer out these stories for, I could have been writing for 50 bucks or for free. I don't remember, you know? Yeah. Um, But all of that was, was great because you really can walk through Memphis and you get a sense of history, you get a sense of place. You hear the music, you meet the people, you eat the food, and and in America, that can be unique because so much of our country is suburban sprawl and fast food, and it's a Chili's, and it's a Red Lobster, and an Applebee's everywhere. There's a Chick-fil-A everywhere. Um, And Memphis isn't like that. When you were in the heart of this city, it is authentic. There are local restaurants like the one we're at now. Mm -hmm. And years ago, I would start my expeditions from this spot oh wow at the arcade um and i met the owners and so so it's really cool to like actually be recording here and tell you the journey this is amazing okay well let let, let's start right so here's the thing uh first things first i tell people all the time yeah i'm a travel writer now Uh uh, but i'm really just a pizza guy (laughs) i'm a pizza guy that flunked out of college (laughs) that's it I couldn't hack it at U of M. I worked at Garibaldi's delivering pizzas. Uh, at the same time, I was working at Dinstool's Chocolate Factory. Mm. Um, I remember like just, just grueling days. You'd be at work at like 5.30, 6 in the morning, and just repetitive, insane task of like putting chocolates together. It's just like I Love Lucy. It's like, yeah, I Love, I love Lucy. <laughs> it's, it's exactly. I mean, there was a conveyor belt. It was like really I Love Lucy. Oh, wow. And you're doing this for hours and hours and hours, and then you have to like deliver chocolate around town in a chocolate van that yeah. I wrecked and it was just Easter bunnies everywhere. It was a disaster. Um, so I'd leave that job, go to Garibaldi's at night and drive until sometimes midnight, do it all over again. Uh, all because journalism school just didn't work for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I started U of M. I tried to do journalism, got disenchanted, decided I would do Egyptian art because I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, right. And and so that was really hard because you had to take multiple foreign languages. And <laughs> I just, I wasn't there, you know. I was like really a 19, 20-year-old kid obsessed with basketball and nothing else. I didn't mm. care about anything else but like what's Derrick Rose doing tonight? Yeah, which is an important question to ask, but there was stuff yeah. beyond that. Too. Yeah, especially <laughs> in Memphis, like in that time, they're making a Final Four run. I mean, it was like really yeah. all-engrossing, uh, but it, it took me to a bad place and the way out of chocolate factory and pizza (laughs) delivery was to become a graphic designer Mm. Uh, my brother is a graphic designer he runs a company called ferocious graphics out in uh, the suburb in arlington Uh, so he kind of took me under his wing he said all right little brother like we're going to teach you photoshop we're going to teach you illustrator and you're going to learn so i learned from him and i got a job pretty soon after in South Memphis 
not too far from where Stacks and Soulsville and all that is. It's essentially around the corner. Yeah. Um, the intersection of South Parkway and Willie Mitchell Boulevard. So when you're down there, uh, it, it's a, it is a rough part of town. It just is. Yeah. It's just poverty-stricken. It's rough. Um, but there was a saving grace in the middle of that. It's this big brick building in an old, like, phone company switch house. So if you can imagine, it's like a three-story brick building that maybe goes, like, 75 yards back off of the street, and it's got, like, a huge basement with nothing in it, Mm -hmm. a huge upstairs with nothing in it. But in the middle floor on the ground is a screen printing company, and it's, like, a warehouse almost, but it's, like, 120 degrees in there. And they have these presses where you put T-shirts on, and sometimes you you lower a press and you squeegee it yourself and you put a design on it. Sometimes a machine does it, and it's just... Oh, wow. So it's basically a factory, and I was a graphic designer, which is great. Because if you're working at a screen printing company, that's the job you want. Yeah, that's just like your art. Yeah, I'm in there, I'm listening to music, I'm not, like, actually printing the shirts I'm just like on a computer jamming out that's so cool yeah drawing t-shirts and mostly like family reunion stuff so I do this for like maybe three years Uh, I'm able to stop delivering pizza and just have one job which was great Mm -hmm. I was living in a triplex with two other people and I thought it was awesome rent was like 600 bucks a month yeah uh, we never, we were never hungry because my roommate still worked at Garibaldi's. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And we had access to as many t-shirts as we could possibly desire. Um, but one day I was sitting at my desk in the, the screen printing company and there was a, a ring at the door. So like an old school bell ring. Mm-hmm. I didn't think anything of it because that happens a million times a day. Yeah. And I remember I got up from my desk and, and I didn't want to get the door because usually that would mean I'd have to like pick up some boxes and like haul them up. And so I didn't want to do that. So I remember like I kind of headed towards the back where all these presses were. And as soon as I opened the door to go to the back of the shop, the wall of my office exploded. Oh, wow. I mean, it turned to sawdust, and there was just a cacophony of racket and noise and popping. And this must have all taken place in in less than five seconds. Everyone stopped. Everyone looked around. It was dead silent, Mm -hmm. and we didn't know what happened or what to do. Mm -hmm. Well, long story short, there had been an attempted robbery in the room next to my office. Oh, wow. There was a shootout between the robber and the owner of our business, Mm -hmm. and bullets went through the drywall in between those rooms and went all around my desk. Wow. So literally behind my desk, like where you might put a calendar or something, it was just bullet holes all around my chair. And uh, that that shook people up. Luckily, uh, the burglar got hit. He ran away. Uh, the police came and got him, and and so it was kind of like an incident that was pretty open and shut. Mm. But it was a wake up call to me. Yeah, emotionally, that's not open and shut. 
No, no. And uh, as much as I love that company today, and I still order T-shirts from them, oh. ParkerPrintsOnline.com. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I had to get out. Yeah. I had to get out, and I knew I was really a crappy graphic designer. Mm. I knew I was actually a good writer, and I thought somehow, some way, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I've got to get back to journalism. I've got to get back to doing what I'm good at because I need to move away from here. Mm. And that set me roundabout on the path towards becoming a travel writer. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, and what I, I find interesting in, that's, in the story so far is that you found a way to enter the creative space here in Memphis, mm-hmm. and then there's this event that shook, shook everything, and then it forced you to exit the city. Right. But then here you are again now. Yeah, I came back. So after the shooting at Parker Prince in 2013, I, I tried selling cell phones at Verizon, hated that. Uh, I tried another corporate job in Florida, uh, basically as a sort of a blogger for a hospice company. Okay. And my, yeah, it was a weird job, but at least I was writing. Yeah. And my job was essentially to go interview people who were nearing the end of their life. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool in a way, and, and profile those people, tell their story, and oftentimes they were uh, in their 90s, they maybe had no to very little family in Florida, Many of them were immigrants that mm-hmm. had come over after or during World War II. Wow. Yeah. Um, that company lost a lawsuit. I lost my job. Mm. <laughs> and ended up uh, in Brownsville, Tennessee, like on the outskirts of Memphis, uh, living with my parents, washing dishes, making salads at a diner. Mm. Uh, and somehow, some way, uh, a local radio station owner came in the restaurant he needed a reporter for whatever news they had going on in Brownsville. Yeah. Which I can tell you isn't much. <laughs> um, but but he kind of kind of picked me up. His name's Carlton Veers, and, and I've since left that company, but he really, like, like a, a mama dog would do, like picked me up by the neck mm. and plopped me down and gave me a job making, like, no money, like 20 grand a year. Mm. But I was a reporter again. Yeah. Um, Telling people stories. Telling stories. And I had a little radio show in the mornings in Brownsville, which it was on an FM station that, I mean, maybe like 500 people listened to. Yeah, so you got your voice out there too. Yeah, it made me comfortable on the mic, and and later that would pay off. That seems like a good point for a break. Time for some ads. It's definitely no secret that I have struggled with body image and my relationship to food. I'll tell you, I've tried everything from yo-yo dieting to apps that weren't helpful to meeting with a bunch of different professionals. And I have to say, I think I finally have found the solution. It is an app called Wavelength, and they combine personalized nutrition plans with powerful mindset and mental health tools. Wavelength is a holistic, compassionate, science-forward approach for anyone struggling with eating choices. My favorite section of the app are the eight minutes a day audio courses and the over 20 mindset practices. This has been tremendous in my mental health journey and improving my relationship to food and helping me take one step closer to loving my body again. 
If you would like to join me on this journey and also support the podcast along the way, visit wavelength.live backslash mind to access your secret code, which will give you a 50% off discount for the app. So please check out this app and follow that link to find your code to get 50% off. Wavelength is the app to take back your power over food. And now back to the show. And ultimately, um, that reporting job led to a magazine job, which led to some travel. For the first time in my life, I went somewhere that wasn't Florida. Yeah. Um, It wasn't Gatlinburg. I actually got to go to Utah uh, and go on a fishing trip out there for that magazine. Uh, And once I saw the desert, I was like, I just was hooked. Mm. I was completely hooked on travel, even though I had only been on a commercial plane like when I was 26. Mm. I was probably 27 or 8 at the time. And like that was the first time I'd seen the desert, first time I'd been out west. And and for me, it was like a light switch. It was just boom. Whatever I have to do, I got to do this. Got to do it. Um, So got out of Brownsville talked the company into letting me work remote. This is around 2015. Uh, moved to South Maine, where I still live in Memphis. Met the community here, and like yeah. it's just been fantastic since then. And I fell in love with it. But I fell in love with it to the point where I didn't want to leave. Okay. And in 2016, the apartment where I lived was purchased by a developer. And the developer came in with the intention to renovate, to raise rent by about 40%, mm. and basically kicked all of the old residents out. Mm. Uh, and this was within sight of the arcade restaurant. I mean, I could point to it now. Uh, they came in, they built a, a big hotel, which is actually wonderful and I love. But mm. in the meantime, I didn't have a home, yeah. and I didn't want to move. So I decided that while they were renovating, however long that took, I was going to live out of a tent. And since I was living out of a tent, might as well drive around the country. Mm. And to do that, to facilitate all of it, I started a blog called Sold Outside. Um, How do you spell sold? With... S-O-U-L-E-D. That's what um, I was thinking. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of a blend of, of Memphis yeah. and, and um, like an old wrestling pay-per-view I had remembered back in the day. It had like a cool logo. Yeah. Um, and of course, it was it was alluding to the fact that my house had been sold. Right. I didn't, I literally didn't have a home. Um, so I drove across the country for a summer. I camped. I lived out of a tent in a Ford Escape and... Vehicle got attacked by bears. Um, there were breakdowns along the way, like many flat tires in a ghost town. I had like, weird visions of some shaman guy around a campfire that scared mm-hmm. the crap out of me in Montana. <laughs> uh, uh, went out in, in Utah again and almost broke my leg in the desert. And I got saved by a, a raven that guided me back to my car via a shortcut. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that, of course, made really compelling content. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because there's, like, this kid alone in the desert who's, like, kind of going crazy. Yeah, and, like, things are happening to him. Let's write about it. <laughs> yeah, things, things are happening. And through that blog, um, the Travel Channel 
found me. Wow. Yeah. I can remember this day. Like, it was the weirdest thing. I got a Facebook message, and it was, hey, I'm an editor at the Travel Channel. We'd love to talk to you about writing for us. And I just thought this is the craziest thing in the world. Like, there's no way that's possible. Mm. Because up until that time, I wasn't travel writing. I was, like, doing crappy reporting and, like, making no money. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, what would you do? Yeah. You go for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a door that opens. You want to walk through that. Yeah, so I busted through that door. <laughs> I was like, yes, Travel Channel. Like, I will go wherever you want. I will do whatever you want. I do not care what you want to pay me. Mm. And I really got blindly lucky in retrospect that they were a good company. Yeah. And, and paid pretty well um, for what travel industries used to. And I got home. Got back in my apartment, paid the 40% increase in rent, and complained about it a lot, which I will still do. Mm-hmm. And I was off. I was off around the world with a camera and a notepad and a laptop, and I was writing for Travel Channel in Europe and in uh, the South Pacific and just all of these incredible places that two years, three years prior were just completely unimaginable. Wow. Wow. And so you said this was back in 2016. Yeah, 2016 was sold outside. And then by 2017, I actually had like consistent travel assignments with Travel Channel. And that was once that door opened up and I understood freelancing. Yeah. And I started to learn about what travel editors wanted and like what images were good, what wasn't good, pitches were good. Um every other door blew open yeah okay well and I want to go back to again this idea that it sounds like the events that have happened to you in Memphis have been pivotal but that they've been really hard like it's been it's been challenges that have happened in Memphis that are kind of pushing you and propelling you forward Mm -hmm. but I that, that that also sounds really exhausting do you do you still consider yourself still Memphis-based? And if so, what about Memphis is still drawing you back yeah. despite those challenges? Yeah, uh, so I think it's important to be challenged in life. And I would never undo all of those things. Mm-hmm. I would gladly get shot at again. Hey, maybe I will be. But um, I would gladly lose my home again if it meant I learned and took the leaps. And Memphis is really important to the way that I write. Mm. Uh, because I didn't go to journalism school, I really write with a lot of feeling and emotion. Mm. And so if I run out of creative ideas, I can walk through downtown Memphis and I can just feel that energy and pick it up. Yeah. Or I can go to the river and sit and pick it up. Or I can go back to South Memphis. Now I can go rock climbing there because uh, we have... Memphis a, rocks. Yeah, yeah, we have a wonderful rock climbing gym now. Like... A, maybe half a mile from where I got shot at. Mm. Um, and I go multiple times a week. So it, it really recharges me because it's, it's a great city uh, full of culture, full of the things you want. You've got an NBA team. You've got music everywhere. You've got great food. You're 15 minutes from the airport. Mm. And it's Which I'm sure makes it nice for your traveling. Hugely nice. Um, I mean, direct flights are hard to get, right. but you're so close to the airport. It almost doesn't matter, right? So it's a really, really good base, and I'm sort of glad that it, the secret isn't quite out yet. Mm. You know, it's going to happen though. Within the next five years, 
we will literally explode. It will be like Austin, like mm. Nashville. That's like my prediction. Yeah. These cities are unique in America. Yeah. They really are. And when big-time investors learn about them, they, they just come in, and you've got to take the good with the bad. I mean, they're going to vulture. They're going to siphon a lot of your culture and like make you a caricature of yourself. But at the same time, if you can push back a little bit, you retain your identity and you benefit from an influx of people, publicity, attention, all of those things. Yeah, I like that dichotomy you mentioned of you want to maintain your identity, but you also want growth. And so yeah. with that will come some some challenges as, yeah. as a lot of what we've talked about has been, but challenges that propel us forward. They are. And, and listen, I hate it when I see an old building get torn down here. Mm. I just, I it really, really gets to me because those buildings are so special. You cannot, and they would never rebuild them the way they were. Right. But at the same time, is it important to have new hotels downtown? Extremely. Is it important to have new housing? Extremely. Um, can the city do things that would help us manage that better? Yeah. Like, rent control would be great. Mm. Because we're not a super affluent city. Right. And so if these developers from New York and whatever come in and they start giving us even Nashville-type rates, the locals here are not going to be able to afford it. Yeah, and then what kind of city is that if it's just a city of just visitors and not a city of locals anymore? Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, it's good and bad. So for me, as someone who has now been to five continents, I don't know how many countries, uh, 48 states, I know that I'm missing two. Mm. Um, Do you know which ones? Yeah, Alaska and Hawaii. Okay. I thought, I thought by, by, by chance it was like, oh, Idaho and Wisconsin. <laughs> well, no, it would have been except for that camping trip. You know, I got pretty bored and I've since gone across the country many times. Okay. Um, but that's kind of the deal. I think... You've seen a lot. I've seen a lot, but, but to me it's important for people to know that if you're in a tight spot right now, if you are delivering pizza, if you are working somewhere where you feel like you're stuck, like you're not maximizing your talent, right? You know that you've got it in you to do amazing things. Memphis is an amazing place to start. It's like once people see you doing cool stuff, they like they wrap their arms around you and they push you up and they want to help. Yeah. I, I love that you said that because and and I've echoed this. It's so interesting how it's come up in in a variety of these episodes, but that's essentially what happened to me too. And okay. when I try to put the words behind it, all of my guests are putting words behind feelings that I'm not able to put words around. Yeah. And you re- you just nailed what I what I feel in my heart. You of think just, so? It's yeah. really supportive community. Yeah. It's like once you're a Memphian, Memphians want nothing more than for you to be awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> they totally identify with you then. Like, yeah. if you know the lyrics to all the Three Six Mafias catalog... You're in, okay? <laughs> You're in, and, like, everyone in this city will support you. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You have, you have a really cool story. And I think what fascinates me is that your profession is that you write other people's stories. Yeah. You need to write your own story, too. And I'm glad that you are blogging, because I, I, I think more people need to hear this journey that you've been on, the, the challenges, the propelling forward, that you live in a place that inspires 
inspires you and that gives you that creative fuel, but that you still also go explore and travel and, and write those stories from other places too, but that Memphis is still your home. You know, that's probably true. Um, for a long time, I didn't get to write much about Memphis. Uh, I've, I've got some stories now on Forbes. If you Google Joe Sills and Forbes, you can see a feed and, and there's a story about WYXR, which is a, a oh, local a radio, radio station. station. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a story about how the pyramid here actually became a Bass Pro Shop. Nice. So I talked to Penny Hardaway for that, Bob Seeger, Bill Dance, uh, the owner of Bass Pro, Johnny Morris. And it, it's like this really all encompassing firsthand account of how a basketball arena becomes a fishing tackle store. And how it will be for the next 100 years, right? Isn't that how long their contract is? Yeah, because <laughs> it, it, it is a, a weird thing, you know? I would have rather seen it be other things, but still, it's cool. People come here for it. Yeah. So, so there's all of that. Um, if you do want to learn more about my journey, I have a, a podcast called The Get Lost Podcast. Uh, we cover travel, adventure. Uh, we have filmmakers, other travel writers, actors, um, directors, you name it. We go to Siberia and the Amazon and Antarctica and the North Pole and like all of these amazing, really cool places. Uh, you hear it from the people that actually went there. That sounds amazing. And I like that you have all these different mediums too, because I think the very first thing I said on, when I introduced you on the show is the tag I have for you is that you're a travel photographer, <laughs> but you have so many more mediums than that. Yeah, sure. And I'm so glad that uh, we've really extended beyond that that two-word bio of <laughs> that oh you're, a, God, you're, a, you're, a, you're a storyteller. You're a storyteller at heart, and, and you have all these different mediums, but the medium doesn't matter. You tell people stories, and, and that's really inspiring. Thanks. Yeah, that's what I was born to do, you know, is to tell stories. So um, you could put a lot of labels on it, podcaster, photographer, explorer, even it's been said. Um, I don't know how I feel about that one. It's pretty, pretty bold, but <laughs> maybe one day we'll get there. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Joe. I mean, this has been incredible talking to you, and, and I'm really honored to hear your story and put it put it out there. Thank you for allowing me your platform. Of course. Uh, I'm going to donate some stickers to your epic laptop Please sticker do. collection. Thank you. So. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah. My, laptop, my laptop stickers say a lot about me. I'm sure you can, yeah, you can sure. deduce what my interests are. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and, and if you guys are out there and you see me walking around South Main or Midtown or whatever, just come say hi. Absolutely. Uh, pretty easy to spot. So. One more time, will you share your uh, social media handles, your sure. website, and any other way that people can find you and connect with you? Sure. So Instagram is probably the best way to connect. It's at Joe Sills, like a window, S-I-L-L-S. Uh, you can follow my show, Get Lost Podcast, on there as well. All of that's kind of linked together. Um, or on Twitter, at Joe Sills. Thank you so much, Joe. Have a great day, and I can't wait to just bump into you now in South Main. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And of course, rate, review, and share with a friend. If you want to learn more about me, you can check out my website, jannyrad.com. That's J-A-N-I-R-A-D.com. Head on over to jannyrad.com slash podcast and click on support the show. Check out my Instagram at jannyrad.me. Love the podcast music? That's BK Williams. You can follow him on Instagram, Brian K underscore Williams 28. Thanks for listening.